Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Moon Tower Business Podcast. This is your host, Joseph O'Bell, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Dr. Christopher Taylor, who is the founder of Taylor Consulting, or Counseling Group, I'm sorry. Uh, Dr. Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Joe. Don't worry, that happens a lot. We've actually thought about just changing the name, really, to <laughs> Consulting Group, because it happens more than you'd think, but that's okay. Uh, it's Taylor Counseling Group, uh, and um, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Uh, you have multiple lo- locations. Uh, where are you located today? Uh, right now, we have 12 offices. I am in our Dallas office, our, our, our main you know, eight, HQ, if you want to call it that, just sort of our original flagship office. Uh, but we have uh, five offices in DFW, one right outside of Austin in Cedar Park. Uh, we have one in Waco. We have two in San Antonio and three in Houston right now. Excellent. That's great. Well, before we kind of uh, jump into uh, to your business, maybe we can just uh, kind of step back, maybe talk about a little bit about your background and kind of what inspired you to, to get involved into, the, into mental health. Sure, yeah. I have a very um, untraditional uh, entry into the field, I think. I don't have, um, you know, like a big story or, uh, you know, no family members really inspired me to, to go into it. I was actually going to go into the Air Force uh, last minute, decided to go to Texas A&M University, and I was from Florida, so that was kind of a big jump to go be in the Corps Cadets there and then to eventually go into the Air Force. In my academic process, I took an elective course in philosophy and I just kind of fell in love with it. And so I asked my academic advisor and my military advisor, because you get a military advisor when you're in the Corps Cadets as well. And they both said the Air Force doesn't really care what my degree is as long as I do well. So um, so I changed over to philosophy. And then uh, the beginning of my junior year, you know, you have to sign a contract if you're going to go in the Air Force or not. And I, I just... I kind of had a, a big sort of like existential crisis, uh, um, an identity change. And I just didn't really feel like that was my path anymore, where I was supposed to go. So from there, I kind of was like really wandering about for a while. I, I completed my degree, you know, in four years with a bachelor's in philosophy, which is, you know, in, in, in the College of, of Human Studies or whatever it was. And so I, I then I leave A&M and I, I apply to a bunch of different grad schools, but I don't know what I want to do. So I kind of run away for a while and I, and I move down to the Florida Keys and I, and I work as a rescue diver and a dive guide on a dive boat, literally working for tips, like living off of tips. So I just have like a great summer and just kind of, you know, no worries, sort of lifestyle, very, very bohemian. It was really, really cool. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I decided, hey, it's probably time to actually go and figure out life and become an adult. So I moved back uh, to Jacksonville, Florida, where I'm from, begrudgingly back with my parents, uh, because why not? Um, and then I uh, started looking for jobs. And one of the jobs that I found was working for Child Protective Services. Uh, and they did not require a, a degree in mental or behavioral health. They just required they had an advanced degree in some kind of human studies. And so shockingly, philosophy qualified for that. I'm not really sure how. And so in this process of getting into CPS and getting a part of this system, I was just humbled and blown away by how difficult and how broken a lot of our families and systems are in this space. 
so that really opened my mind and my eyes to a whole new part of, of society. And so I, I was really inspired through that to, to get a master's degree in counseling. And so I had moved back to Texas and this time to Dallas. And I knew some people that had, um, that I went to school with at A&M that had really recommended Dallas Theological Seminary's master's and counseling program. And so I, I enrolled in that and moved to Dallas, not knowing anybody, you know, having a few bucks in my back pocket and just, you know, shot in the dark, right? So I get here and, you know, I go to school, lucky enough, fortunate enough to get a job working for some of my professors in their private practice. So I really start to learn the business side of therapy while I'm learning the academic side of it. Uh, then I graduate and I go work for one of the psych hospitals, which I will not name them. It was just, a, I, I like to call it the best and worst possible experience you can have because you really do see the inside of managed care, which is not very well designed. It is a broken system that does need a lot of work. But at the same time, I, I was living what I was learning. And so, I mean, you're walking in and you're seeing people struggle with all kinds of things. So I got a lot of experience very quickly. And I had always wanted to be in private practice. So I was finishing my, my postmaster's hours and then I wanted to start my own practice. So I, I got my full license, started my own practice with some people that I went to school with and then learned very quickly that my therapist cohort, my, my fellow therapists don't like business and they don't like math. And, you know, and I don't mean that to be offensive. I just mean it that we go to school to learn how to help people, not how to, you know, run QuickBooks or, uh, you know, build a website. But I've always enjoyed that stuff. I've always, I've always enjoyed the puzzle and getting into it. So I, I kind of dove into that and really started enjoying the business side of it, uh, finished my doctorate, and then um, launched uh, Taylor Counseling Group as kind of a, a different sort of way of doing therapy where we focused on providing affordable, reliable, and accessible mental health care, taking all major insurances, and reducing those barriers so that people could get more help in, in, a, in a more structured and a more efficient way. And seeing the revolving door of the hospital system really kind of showed me that the main issue a lot of these patients were missing after they left the hospital was continuity of care. And so that's what we wanted to provide was this place where, you know, we took all major insurance. So if you had insurance, you could afford it, but you could get regular help that you needed to keep working through, you know, whatever your struggles are. Gotcha. I had a uh, step back a little bit to to kind of your story. I, I think I read somewhere that you had worked in the uh, legacy family court, and that's interesting to me because I'm an attorney. And uh, can oh, yeah. you just talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So while I was doing my doctorate, uh, my doctorate was in family drug court programs. Very inspired with that with CPS. My my. Uh, core concept out of that was human capital, which is a part of social learning theory, which was my, my theory and my dissertation. And that's one of the five core values of Taylor Counseling Group today is human capital. And the, the I was very fortunate while I was doing this research that Dallas County was in the process of launching a family drug court program. And so I was very, very uh, lucky, fortunate to get connected with the judge that was starting that program. So I was able to be the court coordinator while we were you know, designing it, building it, implementing it, launching it, and while I was also doing my research in that, that field as well. Very good. I, I, uh, in my early days, I did do some criminal defense work and uh, had some experience with uh, mm. drug courts in Austin and yeah. saw how it really benefited people that, that got treatment uh, through that program. 
Yeah, you know, I, I I hate saying that there's all these problems without offering solutions, but, you know, we, we do have a really big problem in our criminal justice system right now around drugs, uh, alcohol-related offenses, where, where I think there's a lot of punishment, but there's not a lot of treatment. And what we really need more of is less carrot and stick and more social readjustment, uh, which is what social learning theory is all about, is that is that there is, if you're, if you're addicted to a substance, there is no carrot that's sweeter than that substance. So you're always going to come back to it. And there's no stick that, that can scare you away from the, the, the sweetness of that substance, right? It's just, it's not, the pain doesn't stay long enough and it's not hard enough. And there's nothing we can do to do that. And we've seen that with moms who've had their children removed from them because they can't stop the substance right uh so so we see this over and over again this is why this is why a lot of these programs have very high recidivism rates and people continue to return to psych hospitals and continue to return to our you know to being incarcerated because because these substances are so difficult to break so social learning theory proves out that if we if we adjust the uh, environment if we adjust the social structure that the person's in and remove them from these from these normal habits that they will in a better environment be able to move away from those addictions. Gotcha. So when you graduated from uh, or you got done with graduate school at some point you decided to kind of start your own practice. Do you think I mean not a lot of folks like to to go out and do something like that. Is that do you think that's something that you just kind of had you you had a entrepreneurship in you and and, and that's something that you kind of were interested in maybe from the start or is that something that this was a good opportunity for you at the time? hundred percent. I think it was, uh, I don't know if it's genetic or not, but man, I've had that bug since, since day one. I remember love, I mean, I loved Legos as a kid. I loved building stuff and creating things. And I remember as a story I like to tell is, you know, do you remember floppy disks? Yeah. Uh, with our computers, you know, back in the day. Uh, well, you know, we had, my dad was like really into computers. So we, we had a computer and we had a floppy disk. And so I, I wrote, I think I'd like named it like Taylor Corp or something. Like I was watching like Ninja Turtles and, you know, back when a floppy disk could ruin the world, you know? And so I was like, this is like my, like, this is going to be where I keep all my stuff. I actually, you know, I ironically never saved anything to it because I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> So it was just a blank floppy disk. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've always like had this drive in me to build and create. Um, So yeah, I don't know if that's a, if that's a genetic thing or if that's just a life thing. I, I don't know. Well, that's awesome. It definitely worked out for you in the long run. Um, so I also noticed we'll, we'll that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I guess. I saw that uh, Governor Abbott had appointed you to the State Board of Examiners of Professional Counselors. Can you talk a little bit about that that appointment and how, how it's played out for you? Yeah, so in 2015, I was very fortunate. Um, the, the governor did ask me to serve on our licensing board. Um, and, you know, there are something like 3,000, I think, appointees in our state. Uh, part of our part of I think what makes Texas and, and the United States in general just so wonderful is that we you know like to self govern and and so as professionals we self govern we have a board of nine uh, nine people that govern our profession and and I was very uh, humbled and blessed to be asked to to join that board I've I've completed my first six year term and then I was reappointed as well for another six year term and then I'll, then I'll be required to to 
to exit. Uh, but it's been wonderful to be a part of the change process to adapt technology. One of the things we really that I really wanted to do when when uh, when the governor asked me to join was get us ahead of technology, which was great because this was right before COVID, and so we had a lot of rules around telehealth and, and things like that. And and I think a lot of people were very suspicious of it. Um, and then and then we took a very aggressive stance on that and just said, let's, let's just deregulate it. Let's just apply the same rules that we have to the profession to, you know, zoom or whatever, right. Whatever's a HIPAA compliant piece of software. Uh, and, and then that happened, I think like two years, a year or two before COVID hit. So we were in a really great position um, to allow mental health to adjust uh, without a whole lot of regulation um, uh, when COVID came around. So that was a big, that was a big part of it. And then uh, I was also able to be a part of the creation of the Behavioral Health Executive Council, which is not just our states, but our f- country's first mental health, behavioral health, you know, regulatory agency that just does that. And most other states, it's, it's, it's that and, right? And that's the way it was with us at HHSC. It was all this other stuff. And then it was like a little bit of that. Um, so now, first time ever, you know, every time we, every time the state has to ratify the budget, that has to state, you know, exactly how much money it's willing to spend on mental health. And so I think that's really important. I think that's a big deal. Uh, and so I was, um, you know, fortunate to be asked to be on that council as well. Uh, and so being a part of, of, of shaping the way we approach mental health in our state is, is just very important uh, to me. And, and I think it's very important to, I think, just the, the success of, you know, Texas. Gotcha. You talked about COVID a second ago, I, mm-hmm. right? When, uh, when COVID hit, did you see, uh, like, was there just a big uptick in, in folks doing tele- telehealth for, for uh, mental health? Uh, yeah. So, so the entrepreneur in me, like, was hiding in a closet having a panic attack. Uh, the therapist in me was just, like, overwhelmed with, you know, compassion and, like, oh, my God, like, all these people are going to need help. Um you know, the father and husband in me was, you know, worried about my family and the, uh, the leader, the, the executive officer in me was, you know, like one out in the battle, I think. Uh, and, um, just said, you know, let's go, like, let's do this. Um, and so the first week was really bad because we had a lot of clients cancel sessions, which is understandable. A lot of clients just said, you know, I just, I'll come back next week. And I think it hadn't really sunk in yet for a lot of people that this wasn't going to be a week or two issue. This wasn't bad weather. You know, this, this is now a global pandemic. And I think once that started to sink in and after about two or three weeks, um, we saw a pretty significant increase in in, in telehealth, you know, we were ordered to close like everybody else. So we, we, we obeyed those orders and, you know, we, we are, we are a therapist first. We're employee first at Taylor Counseling Group, not client first. Um, I know that might sound weird, but we just believe that if our therapists are taken care of and they're in their best place and they'll provide the best care possible to the client. So that, that's what we really, that's what we really looked at when we, when we decided to close, uh, you know, to close all of our doors and say, yeah, there's going to be some people that we're not going to be able to help right now. Uh, and, and we'll do the best we can to give them resources as we can, but we have to take care of our people and they have to be safe and cared for. And so we, we did that, but then, you know, it, 
it just exploded. Um, and, uh, we, uh, you know, we grew, I think, um, uh, 120% that year, year over year, uh, just in, in services offered, you know, Dallas, the D 100 named us the 28th fastest growing company in DFW. So uh, it was just, it was so much and being able to, to offer telehealth is, is the main reason for that. Uh, without telehealth, I think if, if COVID had hit us, you know, 20 years ago, I, I don't know that Taylor Counseling Group would still be here. <laughs> and do you think you know that, I mean? that that is, uh, I mean, has that continued to be a big uh, part of your practice, the telehealth? Yeah, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult point of contention for us. The insurance companies who I, I don't mean to you know, uh, you know, dog or be rude about, but they, they do not make it easy for telehealth. They, they want clients coming in the office because, you know, that's, that's the preferred modality of treatment, right? So we don't want clients, and we believe that too, right? We believe that, that the best form of therapy occurs when you're in the office, but some therapy or telehealth therapy is, is better than no therapy. And so I think the insurance companies are kind of in a place where, they want to make sure that clients are being taken care of and getting the best care possible rather than just doing what's convenient or what's easy. And so they don't want to create an environment where that's occurring. So we're starting to see a lot more complexity. And if telehealth is going to be covered in your insurance plan, like a, like an in-office session might just have a $20 copay, but your telehealth might not be covered. So if you chose to, to visit with your therapist over a computer screen, you might have to pay the full rate. Whereas if you chose to come into the office, you might only pay $20. And that varies um, not only from insurance carrier to insurance carrier, but within each plan and within each opt-in program. And there's a, a myriad of factors that go into that. But that being said, we do know that telehealth is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. It's like the internet, you know, it's, it's gonna be here for a while. Um, and, and we have seen an increase to where I think uh, pre-COVID, um, you know, less than 5% of our claims were telehealth. Uh, Post-COVID, um, I think right now 25, 30% of our claims are telehealth. Uh, and I, I, you know, that number will probably shrink a little bit more before it stabilizes, um, but it is here to stay. Gotcha. I'd like to jump into, you know, kind of drill down a little bit more into Taylor Counseling Group and maybe just talk about, I mean, you already talked a little bit about the uh, the locations that you're at right now, yeah. but uh, can you kind of just talk about uh, the different services that you offer and then, uh, you know, just maybe a little bit about the therapist at the different locations? Absolutely. My favorite thing is to describe the services that we offer. It is my absolute favorite. I like to tell people that we are the in and out burger of therapy. We do. Okay. We do one thing and we do it very well. We do individual therapy. We do couples that you double, double, and we do family therapy and that's your triple. And that's it. That's all we do. Nice. Uh, and because we do that, we do it extremely well. Uh, you know, you get high quality product at a, at a low, low cost. We don't offer chicken sandwiches. We want to, we want to send you over to Chick-fil-A because they just do it so well. And we don't offer fish sandwiches. We want to send you to, you know, whoever makes great fish sandwiches. So we don't offer these ancillary services like psychological evaluations, medication management, where some of our, some of our colleagues might offer that, you know, in other groups, we, we stay away from that. And we just partner with the really, really good people that do those things. And we just refer to them and, and, and allow them to do it. And we work well. And because we do that, we're able to get clients in very quickly. 
we're able to get clients in today or tomorrow where other other counseling groups might have a three or four week wait. You know, we're able to to be light on our feet and efficient in that capacity. Excellent. And did you say you have a, an app that uh, for your business? So uh, I am the co-founder of Epiphany, the Epiphany app, uh, which is not related to Taylor Cancer Group. It's a separate product, but um, it is a mental health app. You can find it at Epiphany.com, E-M-P-I, uh, F-A-N-Y, yeah, .com. Um, it, is, uh, uh, it just means a, an emotional epiphany. Um, it is a, a new uh, type of mental health app. It's $4.99 a month, and it provides essentially micro sessions to clients that are emotionally categorized. So if you're feeling angry or sad, you, you can open up the app and it'll take you into this area that has 10 minute micro sessions that are asynchronous. So it's just, it's just you listen to sort of like a, a headspace kind of experience where it's a little meditative. There's some reflective questions. There's a narrative story, there's a little bit of education, and there's a journal component that you walk through as well. So this is a great tool if maybe you don't want to get into therapy or you you don't feel like, you know, you just have a little bit of anxiety, you don't feel like you need to go see a professional for it, which is totally fine. You can just download this app, $4.99 a month, and you can just have all the help you need right there. Uh, it's also a great tool in between counseling sessions. A lot of our therapists love having our clients use it because, you know, we only get to work with them one hour a week. They get to use this app as much as they like. It's truly available 24-7. It's a very affordable product. It's 100% anonymous. Um, you know, it's great. It seems like uh, like it'd be very successful kind of this day and age. Uh, have you gotten any yeah. feedback from users? Yeah, so we just launched it. Um, it has to have a five-star review rating in, in the Apple App Store. So if you do go find it, please give it a five-star review. Um, uh, you can find it on my website, taylorcounselinggroup.com. Uh, you can also just find it in the App Store by searching Epiphany, uh, E-M-P-I-F-N-A-Y. Uh, or you can find it at that website, uh, epiphany.com. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, great. And I'll, yeah. I'll put that information in the show notes so folks can, yeah, uh, can find that. Um, you also host a podcast uh, yeah. for, for self-examination. Um, what kind of inspired you to, to get that going? And, and, and uh, can you talk about, you know, what, what the podcast is about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, you know, did my, my undergrad at, at A&M in philosophy, like we, we talked about. My focus was 19th century existential philosophy. So, you know, I'm a, like a sucker. I'm a fanboy for anything Kierkegaard. And, you know, one of Kierkegaard's books is uh, for self-examination. And so I've always wanted to do kind of an homage to him throughout my career in some way. And so this podcast is sort of a modern way to do that. And so I titled it for self-examination um, because I wanted to propose just thoughts and ideas. Um, it started with kind of stuff that our clients struggle with. We had therapists come on and talk about, you know, what's going on in their caseloads and stuff like that and and what they see people struggling with. And then it turned into, well, let's interview some other people. And and now it, now the last season was about happiness um, and, and this idea of happiness as a battery. Uh, so it's really just this sort of um, modern existential philosophical podcast um, kind of the ramblings of a therapist, I guess. Uh, and uh, it's just there to help people whenever they'd like um, to get just a free resource to 
provokes self-reflection and thought. Uh, we have it on our website for free. Um, obviously, most like every podcast is for free, so that's not a big deal. But uh, and it was also I did it because I wanted uh, to, as Taylor Counseling Group continued to grow and grow, and and I saw fewer and fewer clients. You know, I mean, we'll we'll help we'll help a hundred plus clients today, right? So I'm not I'm not going to interact with any of them. Uh, so I still wanted people to know that I was real, that I wasn't this. You know, the Taylor Counseling Group wasn't this, uh, you know, faceless organization that didn't care about people. So, so that's kind of my way of, of being, you know, uh, humanized and, and approachable in that. I just wanted clients to know that I'm still available if, if they ever need me. That's great. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to check that out. I'll put that uh, information um, in the show notes as well uh, yeah, for, thank for folks you. to check it out. Um, you also are an author of a book, uh, My Digital Practice. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you just talk briefly about uh, what the book's about and where folks can buy it? Uh, so my digital practice came about when I was building Taylor Canceling Group. I was getting so many questions from colleagues of, you know, why do you do this? How do you do that? Um, you know, because we, we really were aggressive in building the back end and the business side of it to the point to where our website is built on um, AI components uh, so that it has live um, understanding it, it learns what what our schedules look like and things like that and it makes suggestions to our support staff uh, you know we've just really bet heavy on technology uh, and, and just getting more efficient in any way possible uh, and that's really helped us I think in a lot of ways um, and so this book is about demystifying um, the technology space for therapists. Because um, there's a lot of therapists that I know that still don't have a website, that still don't use an EHR, that still don't, uh, you know, take insurance and, and these kind of things. So it's just really, it's just a 10 short, powerful chapters written for therapists by a therapist uh, uh, to just make this space a little bit more approachable. Because my hope is that the more therapists that get on a, a website, that get on an EHR, they're going to be able to help more people. And that's what I want. We want more people to be helped. There are not enough therapists to provide therapy for every for the people that want it in this state. And that's a problem. And it's going to be a problem for some time. So if I can help therapists just be the best they can be, that's that's what we wanted to do. Uh, it's a little bit more effective than a business card, I guess. And also it saves me from having a long conversation with somebody. So. And how, how was that experience writing a book? Is it Was it a kind of a timely process or is it something you were able to put together pretty pretty quickly? Uh, this has just been a lot of thoughts that have been in my head. I mean, I, I was able to break it into 10 parts pretty easy. Um, I, I self-published. Uh, uh, Rutledge was interested in publishing it, but they wanted me to double the size of the book. And I just I felt strongly that therapists wouldn't read it if <laughs> it was that long. Um, you know, and I've had friends and colleagues tell me that the book is terrible and, and I agree with them from a, from a, from a fortune 500 company standpoint or something like that. But that's, you know, that's not the audience that it's for. So a therapist love it. And, and that's why I wrote it. it was for them. Um, uh, I am working on another book now. Uh, it's called the goo of you. Uh, I'll have time to, to, to patch that together this, this summer. Um, and that book is about more about identity development and, 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 you know, making your way in postmodern America. Excellent. When do you think that will be uh, released? I have no idea. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully next year. But we'll see. Good deal. You are also an adjunct, adjunct professor of uh, counseling ethics 
uh, two different places. Can you uh, just briefly touch on that as well? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to teach at both Amberton and Dallas Theological Seminary. Dallas Seminary being my alma mater is uh, a great privilege. Um, I, I don't have a lot of time in my schedule as much as I'd love to get back to teaching. Um, so I, I do it you know, here and there when I can. Obviously, being on the LPC board and, and writing most of the rules that we have today has kind of made me a de facto expert in, in ethics and how our field operates. So I enjoy giving back to students in that regard um, to help prepare them for, you know, what's coming in their career. A lot of people don't uh, know or understand um, uh, clinicians as well about the, the ethics that really govern our profession and why they're there. And so it's very important. And I love to make sure that, that we can kind of give back to our students in that way as they move into the field and, and, grow and learn and become wonderful therapists. Very good. Um, is there anything else that we have not touched on that you would like to share with listeners about your clinic, uh, future plans, things that are in the works, um, anything like that? We pretty much hit it all. Um, you know, our goal, uh, Taylor Counseling Group, is to provide uh, affordable, reliable, accessible mental health care. We believe Texas deserves that. Um, we want to offer that to the entire state. Uh, so we're not there yet, but we're getting there uh, as we continue to grow. Uh, we're not done growing yet. Um, uh, we are very excited about our partnerships with OK to Say and the Grant Halliburton Foundation. Uh, they are wonderful nonprofits. OK to Say uh, is a great nonprofit that helps to spread the good news that it's okay to not be okay uh, and that it's okay to talk about that. Uh, we donate a dollar of every session to okay to say. Uh, so, which is, I think a really cool thing because that allows our patients to give back as they come in for their own help. Um, and that our therapists are a part of that as well. And then the Grant Halliburton foundation, uh, we, we um, support, uh, aggressively through a lot of different ways. And Grant Halbert Foundation is a wonderful educational resource. Um, if you have any teens or, or kids that are struggling with suicidal ideation or, or, or uh, suicide attempts, a uh, great mental health resource, uh, as well as their, their Here for Texas line. So if you know anybody that's struggling or not sure where or how to get help, uh, Here for Texas is a great resource as well. Very good. You're doing some some awesome stuff uh, over there. And um, is wh where is the best place for folks to go and learn more about you and your clinic online? What what what's the website for the for the clinic? Yeah, I think the easiest thing to do is just go to TaylorCounselingGroup.com. Um, you'll have uh, resources for the podcast. You'll have resources for the app. You'll have our blog on there as well. Um, so just tons of free resources for you. Community partners listed there as well. Uh, and then if, uh, you know, if you feel like you need to, to reach out, you can book online 24 seven through the website. You don't even have to call or email us. Uh, and, uh, if you're looking for help for a friend, you're always welcome to call and our amazing support staff or awarding support staff will be more than happy to help direct them to a resource near you. Awesome. Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast, sharing your story and talking about the uh, Taylor Counseling Group. Uh, congrats on all your success. I wish you the best and uh, hopefully we can have you get on the podcast sometime. Thanks so much. I'm just very happy to be here. Please let me know if there's anything else we can do for you. Thanks, sir.